to build here and the type of success we're looking to, to have and, and hopefully sustain. I'm not worried about the outside noise or what, what people are writing about, what people are saying. When we step on that field, we're ready to go to war for our brothers. Raise up, three, one, two, three. It's unnecessary roughness. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. This is Unnecessary Roughness, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation, coming in after day seven, officially in the books for the Silver and Black as training camp continues to roll on. Day two in pads is a wrap as well. The Raiders will be off tomorrow, then back at it on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, of course, Raider Nation Radio 920 will have it covered like a glove. We'll be all over practice each and every day. We'll be all over the media sessions each and every day, and we'll be able to provide you all the, the coverage uh, as far as the Raiders putting together their 2023 team. Very excited about that opportunity. Of course, my man Ari is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. Uh, we like to call it Studio Q after coming off of, a, like I said, a day at practice. And uh, with the media sessions running a little bit longer than normal, it just made all the sense in the world to make a beeline to the house. So here we go. Got a big show lined up for you today. Very excited about uh, the guests that we have lined up. Of course, we're always excited to have the interaction with Raider Nation, 702-365-9200, and the Dolby Broke dot com text sign six nine one eight seven keyword R and R which is very active each and every day and we definitely appreciate that coming off the heels of J T the Brick who is actually broadcasting live from Raiders HQ uh, continuing to put together his ultimate Raiders team and so that's been a lot a lot of fun uh, exercise that he's been doing uh, throughout the course of the last few weeks and he did a really good job with the wide receivers and of course uh, if you look at the history of the Raiders and the wide receivers even new wide receivers like Devontae Adams who's only been with the team for a year or Amari Cooper, who the Raiders drafted uh, number four overall at one point, and maybe even going back a little bit further than that. And, you know, Jerry Rice, a guy that was not a longtime Raider, but uh, still playing a lot of big games for the Silver and Black, that he did a really good job uh, going through the wide receivers as he's put together the Raiders' ultimate team. So, again, glad to be with you for the next few hours. The guests that we have coming up on the show today, we're going to start things off at 2.30, as we normally do. Adam Hill from the RJ, and, of course, our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. It's funny, he's actually going to be co-hosting on uh, Cofield and Company a little bit later on this afternoon, but he'll join us at 2.30 as he's been out there every single day as I've been out there every single day at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center uh, just observing practice, seeing what he can see, and uh, so we'll pick his brain on the Raiders and what he's been seeing, what stood out to him. I have things that stand out to me. I bring it to the show each and every day, uh, try to give you as much of an accurate report as possible, but I want to see and hear from Adam Hill what he feels like he's seeing out there at practice as they, again, have wrapped up day two of padded practice day seven of Raiders training camp. So that's coming up at 2.30. We'll talk to our good friend Adam Hill from the RJ and our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. Then 3 o'clock, almost double dipping on Raiders uh, training camp. We have Gilbert Manzano, Monday morning quarterback on SI. Uh, He was actually at camp on Monday, and he's going – going on a big camp tour so uh, not only will we ask him about Raiders camp and what stood out to him on Monday when he got an opportunity to sit down with head coach Josh McDaniels talk about the relationship between McDaniels and Jimmy Garoppolo and just what he expects in year two as the head coach of the team Uh, you know also we'll ask him about other training camps that he's been able to go on on a little bit of a tour I know he was in Arizona with 
with the Cardinals. And I know their expectations can't be very high, especially with Kyler Murray and the big question around him. Is he going to be a guy that's going to uh, play anytime soon or like early on in the in the regular season? Is he going to make a midseason debut? Uh, is it going to be later in the season? Is it going to get to a point where they say, you know what, uh, we're too far out of it. We don't even want to go ahead and risk it. So uh, Gilbert Manzano, Monday morning quarterback, used to be here locally in Vegas covering the Raiders for the Review Journal and others. He's done a hell of a job and uh, really, like I said, has done a great job with just his career just as he continues to elevate and elevate and elevate. Uh, he was in town on Monday. He'll join the show coming up at 3 o'clock, talk about what he saw, what he's hearing, and uh, especially what the conversation he had with head coach Josh McDaniels. At 3.30, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She's our normal Wednesday guest. She'll join us to talk all things Aces, but then She'll also talk UNLV as they get to practice. They start their uh, their camp tomorrow, uh, and they all report for camp tomorrow, and then practice actually officially gets underway on Friday. So we'll ask her all things UNLV. We'll talk about the Aces, who picked up another victory last night, uh, beating the Atlanta Dream, and they're just continuing to roll. And they actually picked up, uh, they certified and, and solidified their playoff spot last night. <laughs> so it seems like the season isn't even that that far along, and they're already guaranteed a, a shot in the in the playoffs. Uh, Jackie Young has been balling out of control. She kind of uh, rolled up her her ankle a little bit. It looked it looked a little uglier than it was. She was seen on the on the on the bench laughing with Asia Wilson and Chelsea Gray. So I've, I'm assuming everything is okay. But we'll get a you know a little injury report from Paloma on on uh, Jackie Jackie Young. We'll talk about Candace Parker. She sees her coming back anytime soon. And really, who stepped up in the meantime and between time uh, for the Aces while people like Candace Parker are out, including uh, Kia Stokes. Kia Stokes has been a hell of a player. Uh, Kristen Bell. Uh, we talked about Kirsten Bell last year, or last week, I mean, with Paloma. And, man, she put on a hell of a performance last night as she uh, had a career high in points. And I'm telling you, she just goes comes in off the bench, and it feels like she's getting more comfortable and more comfortable each and every time she takes the court. She's casting those three-pointers. And Ari, as you very well know, you you kind of run the in the – the back end of things as TC's on the call and on our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. And it seems like anytime Bell's in the game, the ball's going up and it's been going through the hoop a lot. She was fantastic last night. Uh, yeah, they don't let up either. Right. Man, and uh, coming off the bench, like it, uh, you'll actually hear from her. Uh, I put her in the rejoin with Asia. It's, uh, yeah, this team is deep. Yeah. It's kind of crazy to watch them at that stage, and, and also the coach is very uh, – she's not very quick to pull her starters, but, you know, at a certain point at the game she's comfortable. And when you see them play – they're not even out there that much, and all of a sudden they just they get right back on it. Like, right. like they didn't even take a break. So. No, they, they don't miss a beat when when the backups come in, and and Bell is a big time backup. Uh, Stokes is somebody who's playing a lot of minutes because Candace Parker is out, uh, but they do have some depth where they didn't have that last year. And oh, by the way, they went and won the championship last year. So uh, I don't want to put the cart before the horse. I don't mm-hmm. want to give them the championship. Uh, I don't want to crown them like Danny Green would say. If you want to crown them, crown them. Go ahead. I'm not going to do that. But I'll tell you what, man, I would not be shocked when this WNBA season gets wrapped up and it's all said and done and the Aces are back-to-back champions. I'll tell you a quick little nugget. We'll usually record uh, Coach Becky Hamm in the interview with yeah. TC. And when they're talking sometimes or during the interview, he'll he'll allude to like a winning streak or like you know you guys yeah. you guys beat them last time, and then she'll she'll call him on it like you just jinxed us. She's very <laughs> so she's like very focused. You wouldn't, I mean, you can't let up obviously, but you wouldn't think that that team is playing the way they are and has the record that they are. The way you hear from her, you would think they're you know like two and twenty four. I'll is, tell which you is what, great. I mean, yeah, that's what you want. It is good. She's very intense on the sideline. I mean, oh, yeah. you can see it in her face. <laughs> like she doesn't overreact and get too upset all the time. Like when there's a bad call here and there, she'll you know let it be known and she'll show her frustration. But you could just see there's certain people that will glare at you 
or stare at you and you know that they're like staring a hole in your chest, that's what I feel like she does all the time. She'll look yeah. at her team, and if they go on a stretch where they're not playing very good defense, it's almost like she, she's staring at that certain player or particular players, and she's putting a hole in their chest. That's just right. that's the, that's the, that's the feeling I get when I watch her, and I, I like to, I'm one of those that really likes to study the coach, especially when it comes to women's basketball. Being in uh, Central Texas when I was covering Baylor, I used to always stare at Kim Mulkey because she's one of those that is very – big on body language and very animated. So sometimes as they would be blowing out teams, it'd be more entertaining just to watch what Coach Mulkey was doing. So I got in the habit of really watching body language with coaches. So uh, Becky Hammond and Kim Mulkey are completely different. They don't, their mannerisms are not the same, but they are still both, the, both intense, right? They, they, they just do it in their own way. And so uh, I feel like sometimes there's moments where they, they don't play very good defense and Becky Hammond is looking at, you know, like a Chelsea or a, or a Asia thinking like, what are you doing? Without saying a word, just kind of staring at him. And sometimes you'll hear Asia even refer to it after the game. Yeah, we won. Uh, coach is going to be upset about our defense, though. <laughs> How often do you hear that? And you you know because you're on those broadcasts. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they win by like 15, 20 points. And yep. still, but but that's, I mean, that is that speaks to everything. I mean, it's the proof is right there. Like, look yeah. at the record. Look at coming off a champion, te- you know, uh, season. A lot of times, you know, a team will kind of, Maybe get a little comfortable. Get, but get, yeah, get a little. Not uh, in that you team. Know, no relax way. a little bit. <laughs> right? Not at all. I don't. I don't see that on that team. She. She just won't let you. Right. So. I think I would relax. Like if I was on that team and 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 they had the record that they had, I'd probably relax a little bit myself. You're but be sitting on the bench then. Right. <laughs> that part. That's exactly what Coach Ham is going to do. Put you on the bench. So Paloma Villacana will join us at three thirty. We'll talk all things Aces. We'll also talk some UNLV. That's coming up at three thirty. Then at four o'clock, Josina Anderson, CBS Sports NFL Insider, host of the Crew and undefined with Josina Anderson. She'll join us uh, to talk about Josh Jacobs. She put the tweet out yesterday about Josh Jacobs and the Raiders and the fact that uh, she said that the Raiders have uh, the Raiders are open to restarting talks with running back Josh Jacobs with the hopes of getting him to rejoin the team, which still remains the goal for the organization. So I reached out to her after she put that tweet and I want her to be a guest on the show to talk about it, you know, kind of go a little bit deeper on that conversation as our very own Vinny Bonsignor pointed out that the Raiders have always been open to conversation, but it seems like maybe Josh is looking around the landscape of the running back position and probably his, his representation looking around the landscape of the league when it comes to the running backs and realizes that there's not a whole lot he could do at this point. So I'm sure that they're probably having those conversations about, you know, the franchise tag and then putting a little something, something on top of it. And maybe a conversation about not getting franchise tag next year. I don't know where those conversations start. I don't know where they end, but it sounds like there's a little bit of uh, something, something going trending in the right direction as far as the Raiders and Josh Jacobs starting to have their conversations. So we'll talk about that with Josina. We'll talk about the running backs in general, what's going on with Jonathan Taylor there in Indianapolis. Dalvin Cook, is he going to go to the Jets? Is he going to go to Miami? What's the best fit? You know, and then Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers said some something, and I mentioned it to John McClain yesterday when we had him on. We have him on each and every Tuesday at 3 o'clock. Uh, he had mentioned about the, the big pay cut he did, or the restructure, I should say, of his deal, and it basically gave $35 million back to the Jets. And so someone asked him about that, and he said, well, you know, come the, come the trade deadline, there's going to be some, some uh, big-time players that, that could become available. And so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know who he's talking about. As far as I'm concerned, there's no doubt he's talking about a former wide receiver that was a teammate of his, and that wide receiver happens to play with the Raiders. So he's anticipating, and I'm sure others are anticipating, that, oh, the Raiders are going to stink and come the trade deadline. Uh, Devontae's going to want out, and so, hey, there may be a chance. So let me go ahead and free up this cash and make it so it's, he's available to get underneath the cap. So I'll ask Justina about that as well. Again, it's nothing that has been said. 
It's, I know that there was a guy in New York that, that reported something about that to that to that kind of extent, but it was really more him just speculating. But when Aaron Rodgers said what he said, to me it was a no-doubter that, okay, he's anticipating that uh, Devontae's not going to want to play with, with, uh, with the Raiders come the trade deadline because they're going to be bad. Again, that was just my anticipation and my uh, interpretation from what Aaron Rodgers said. So I'll ask Josina about that coming up at 4 o'clock to see what she thought of those comments from Aaron Rodgers. But those are the guests that we have. Again, starting at 2.30, Adam Hill from the RJ and our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. Gilbert Manzano, Monday morning quarterback from SI at 3. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports at 3.30. And Josina Anderson from CBS Sports at 4 o'clock. Of course, we'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. He met with us bright and early this morning around 7.45. Uh, Pacific time you heard that on the morning tailgate this morning and so uh, there were some players that met after practice as well like Jermaine Illuminor, Malcolm Kuntz and um, who else was it there was one other player and I for- oh uh, Brian Hoyer I don't know how I continue to for- forget Brian Hoyer but yeah he he met with us as well we'll hear from the head coach throughout the course of the show as well and then of course Ari's going to close things out with reason or excuse one of his favorite uh, segments that we have here on the show because well it's his time to shine so uh, we'll let Ari do that coming up around 4 30 so again you know the guests you know how the show's planned out of course we want to hear from you so let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Already got a text on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r r from our guy Big Dub Raiders. Said, afternoon, fellas. Even though I'm down on the Raiders this year, that Al Davis intro always gets me hype. Go Raiders. That's from uh, Big Dub Raider. We definitely appreciate you chiming in on the don'tbebroke.com text line. And, yeah, man, something's got to get you going, right? I, I, I love it. I'll tell you right now, Big Dub, uh, I'm, I don't know what to expect from this team. I've said it many times. But even being out there at practice, hearing the fans in the background, right? I mean, as we're out there and we're observing practice and I hear yell, uh, fans yelling at Devontae, Devontae, Jimmy G, let's go. Like, I'm hearing, I'm hearing fans excited and pumped up about being able to see what they're out, able to see as they're out there. That gets me going. That gets me juiced because, as Vinny told me today, sometimes it's humbling to realize why we do this. Why we don't we don't do this because we're trying to become millionaires. We don't do this because all of a sudden we're we're you know we're finding a cure for cancer or we're you know what I mean we're not doing heart surgery. We're not saving anybody's lives. But this is our passion. This is what's exciting, and we get an opportunity. A handful of us get an opportunity to observe practice for two two hours a day when they're out there. And the fans that are out there, you see how much excitement they have, and they don't know they don't know what to expect from their team. But I'll tell you what, man, you got guys that are out there already in midseason form as far as the fans go. There was guys out there today that were dressed up like they were at a Raider home game right I mean and and I was pretty impressed by that and then you know you see you see fans that recognize you from either the radio station or or myself I do the podcast and you know or 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 Vinny who's writing and hey Vinny what's up hey Q what's up man I listen to you I I read your work that kind of stuff gets you juice man it gets you going and to see football act out out there having and guys having fun Devontae running around Marcus Peters who actually came up with an interception today having fun it's just again it's, it's really humbling and and it really recognizes the reason why we're out there and uh, really helps you appreciate what we've got going on. So, Big Dub Raider, I understand, man. There's a lot that gets me juiced as well, even though at times it may be like, oh, got to get up early, got to go to the facility, got to stand out in the heat. Yeah, you know what? I think it's going to be all right. (laughs) I think we're going to be all right. And so we definitely are. But 
that leads me to the question that I have and the topic I have for the show today. And it's actually something that me and Vinny were coming up with when uh, we were standing next to each other. I spent a lot of time today with uh, Vinny Bonsignor and also Jesse Merrick from News 3LV. We spent a lot of time talking and just discussing what we were seeing in practice. And I brought up Jerry Tillery. And I said, I don't know why, Vinny. I don't know why. I don't know why I think he's going to be a big-time player for the Raiders this year. And, of course, whenever you think of Jerry Tillery, you think of that Thursday night football game against the Rams when he had that dumb penalty that, you know, would have got the Raiders off the field if, the, if he – well, basically would have put the Rams in fourth and super long if he hadn't got called for that penalty. Instead, it gives him a first down. We all know how that game ends. Whenever you think of Jerry Tillery, that's all you think of, right? Uh, but I think it feels like just from seeing him out there, observing him in a handful of practices – you know, a couple padded practices as well. It just seems like he's out there with a purpose. And, again, I'm not saying that he's a big-time disruptor. I'm not saying that he's, you know, making all the noise out there. It just seems like – I know he's not a loud dude, but it just seems like he's out there with a purpose. Like, every time he walks by us, every time I see him in a drill, he looks as uh, very as, as a matter of fact. And so Vinny had pointed out that he thinks he could be a player. And I was like, you know, I, I think he could be a player. And, and then we started thinking about it. He actually did pretty good with the Raiders last year. The only thing that stands out, though, is that Thursday night game, <laughs> right, and that, that big mistake. The mistakes always stand out bigger than the, than the big play, right? When you make a bad play, and Jerry Tillery will tell you himself, that was a bad play he made on that Thursday night football game against the Rams, that's always going to stand out in a major way as opposed to, you know, maybe a good third down stop that you had. Or, you know, or, or you stuffed the run. Or you pressured the quarterback on this certain play, made him throw the ball away. I think Jerry Tillery has an opportunity to be, you know, probably I don't want to say, uh, you know, a big-time, you know, double-digit sack guy, but I think that he's one of those kind of unsung heroes where he goes and he plays well, and a lot of people won't talk about him. But he'll still play well, right? And, and, and it was brought up by uh, Jason Horowitz yesterday when he joined the show. He thought Bilal Nichols played pretty well last year, and nobody really talked about him. I think Jerry Tillery has an opportunity to do that, but do it at a higher level. So the question that I want to throw out there to you, and I would love to hear from you, is 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text sign 69187, keyword r Who is a player or players that you feel like nobody's talking about, but you think they could be a player for the team? Like you think that they could really carve out themselves a nice little role, and nobody's really talking about them right now. Jerry Tillery was number one for me. I got one more guy that stands out and I feel like fits in this category, even though his expectations are high. And so I know that sounds weird. Like, okay, wait, hold on. Nobody's talking about him, but he's got high expectations. How is that even possible? Well, let me explain. My second guy is safety Marcus Epps. I feel like Marcus Epps, nobody's really talking about what he's going to bring to the table, but his expectations are high because the Raiders signed him as a free agent immediately. Like, that was one of Dave Ziegler's first signings in the free, when free agency opened was getting Marcus Epps from the Eagles. And it's funny, I, I forget, I think Jesse Merrick mentioned it to me, you know, because I told him, I, I, I'm, in this conversation that we're having right now on the radio, I've had this conversation already today. <laughs> I just had it on the sideline, right? And, and, and this is kind of how things happen organically. Like, I don't sit in the lab and be like, all right, I got to come up with this great topic today. No, it's just in conversation, in passing, in, in the passionate, you know, moment of, of, of talking about this team, stuff like this pops up. So I told Jesse Merrick that, you know what, Marcus Epps is playing pretty well. He had another nice pass breakup today. He had a nice pass breakup yesterday. And I said, man, Marcus Epps is playing pretty nice, and I don't really think anyone's paying attention. And he said, yeah, I'm kind of surprised. And he didn't say it in a disrespectful way, but he said, you know what I mean, that there's you know, guys that come from Super Bowl teams, teams that went to the Super Bowl, they had a really good player, and, oh, this team's going to go out and sign him as a free agent, and they're supposed to be a big-time player, and they turned out not to be. 
And he said, I get the feeling that Marcus Epps is not going to be that guy. Marcus Epps is going to be a guy that understands the role that Dave Ziegler, you know, uh, has for him and Patrick Graham has for him when they decide to bring him in as a free agent, give him the contract, and he's going to also live up to it. And I, I was, I, I'm like, yeah, I, I agree, but I still feel like not enough people are talking about Marcus Epps. I think it's a, kind of one of those – I think uh, I think the Raiders and Raider Nation have been through it enough when it comes to guys that have played on Super Bowl teams, teams not necessarily even Super Bowl winners, just guys that appear in the Super Bowl. It's like, oh, man, that guy's going to be great, and then turns out not to be. Right? Of course, they've had in their long history, <laughs> they've had a history of Super Bowl MVPs that didn't turn out to be very good players for the team either. But I just feel like Marcus Epps is a guy that not enough people are talking about and that they should pay, talk about. And I'm telling you, I've been paying attention to him a lot. And the last couple games or a couple, couple days with padded, pads on, he's been looking pretty stinking good. And I know I haven't said anything positive about Trayvon Merrick because, as I've said so many times, he's out there, but he's just out there. I can say one thing. Marcus Epps and Trayvon Merrick as a combo have not given up any big plays yet. Now, again, that's more Marcus Epps making plays and Trayvon Merrick just not giving up the big play. I mentioned it to JT when I saw him at practice today. You know, Trayvon Merrick feels like he's a guy playing on the warning track, making sure the ball don't get over his head. You know, and that's just, that just kind of is what it is. But so far between Marcus Epps and Trayvon Merrick, you haven't seen any big plays given up. And Marcus Epps has made some nice breaks on the ball. Hasn't intercepted a ball, but he's knocked a couple down. One to Hunter Renfro yesterday, that was a pretty, pretty nice uh, play that he made. And then one that was over the middle today, and I can't remember the receiver who was, who was in line for it, but he, he just shot out of a cannon and knocked the ball down. And I thought he looked really good doing it. But uh, I want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com text sign, 69187, keyword r Who is a player of players? that nobody you feel like is talking about but you think could end up being a player for this Raiders team. Offense, defense, special teams, whatever the case may be, you let me know. Let's go out to Henderson talk to our guy Sean. Welcome to Unnecessary Rough. This is on your mind. Thank you. First of all, thank you for the content. Thank you for giving us insight to what's going on at camp. I want to talk about Tyler Hall. I think he contributed mm. when he was on the field last year, made some impact plays. Remember him getting a sack? Remember him being around the ball? I remember when he played at Wyoming, he's a pretty fast guy. I think he's a dude that, that gives us good depth and can make plays when called upon. And I'm, I think he's a lock to make the roster. Thanks, Q. Hey, thank you, Sean, for the call. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate you. Yeah, Tyler Hall, that's a really good competition. Today, again, lined up uh, at, at corner. We saw – it was funny. We saw Marcus Peters and we saw Ja'Cory Bennett as the two outside guys. One rep, Nate Hobbs was on the inside. As a slot guy. Another rep, you saw Tyler Hall as a slot guy. Another rep, you saw Meek Robertson. So it seems like they're still having a little bit of, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're having a lot of competition as far as who's going to be the guys. But the two things that have been consistent, Marcus Peters on one side and Ja'Korian Bennett on the other side. It seems like the, that slot uh, corner is still getting a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of rotation and a lot of burn. But, uh, yeah, Tyler Hall is a guy, I think, honestly, I think when it comes down to the slot, I think it comes down to Tyler Hall and Nate Hobbs. I really do. And Nate probably has the, the upper hand, but Tyler Hall did well last year. And I remember having guys from Pro Football Focus like Brad Spielberger on the show talking about Tyler Hall and the fact that, you know, he did really good in a small amount, of, a limited amount of snaps because he wasn't there all season long. But when he was out there, he, he was disruptive. You know, he was that one that I got caught slipping, right? Remember, Ari? I'm like, hey, 37. Who's 37? James Trapp? No, Q, 37 is Lester Hayes, you big dummy. Like, how, how do you forget that? But that was the guy last year, as Sean was saying, that would step up and make a play. And you're like, man, who is 37? you got to find your roster. Like, who is that dude? 
He's Tyler Hall. So, yeah, he's a guy that not enough people are talking about, if anybody's talking about, that could definitely have a role in this team. And I, I, I'm, I believe 100% that he does make the squad. So, Sean, good stuff right there. And you know the fun thing about this as well, being out at camp, is when you see a nice play being made and you don't know what number that is. Because that means that somebody else is stepping up. So I'll, I'll grab my, my roster, and we get a roster every day. Ari, if you could see my home studio right now, I literally have about 10 – well, no, there have been seven days of practice. I have seven rosters laying around my, my home studio right now because every day I grab another roster because sometimes they're updated and you know, they change depending on if a player comes and goes or whatever. But I always fold it in half put it in my pocket, and then by the end of practice, it is the most wrinkled-up piece of paper I have. And so I get it to the house, I lay it out on my desk here, and all of a sudden I have all these damn rosters laying around, and I got to remember which one was the most current one, right? So I got to go through it. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, it's always good when you look down at the roster and say, wait, hold on, who was that? No- wait, who's that number? Okay, let me check. Oh, that's so-and-so. Okay, cool. You know, so like when Marcus Peters got his interception today, uh, he, was go- he, was, he, was, uh, he was covering number 15 and ended up being Lacey. As I, as I go to my roster to confirm that. Yeah, Chris Lacey, right? And so uh, there you go. I mean, so when you have to, you know, you look down at your roster, you know there's guys out there making plays. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Good, good one about Tyler Hall, Sean. Thanks so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Got a couple texts I want to hit to, uh, real quick from the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Then we'll get to Adam Hill from the RJ and also our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, this one is from the 915 El Paso Raiders at R&Q. What's good? I was tuning in yesterday and heard something about Aiden O'Connell being worse than a backup. LOL, kid has some serious tools. Anyway, can we ask, ask those what they see? And again, Q, I'm worried about our young defensive tackles. Not tacos, LOL. Tillery and defensive line and Illuminor. And, uh, def- Tillery on D-line and Illuminor on O-line. Tillery was a high-regarded player coming out of college, and Illuminor is hungry. El Paso Raider. Uh, and then he says, and then another text from the 806, Tillery reminds me of Danico Autry, not a pro bowler, but one of the better pass-rushing defensive tackles. I like that. I like that, that uh, comparison right there. Danico Autry was a very disruptive dude. I remember a lot of Raider Nation was disappointed when he uh, was not re-signed by the Silver and Black, and he went on to be a pretty good player in Indy, went on to be a, a pretty good player in Tennessee. I think Danico Danico Autry is just that. He's a pretty good player, right? He, he obviously provides something. And so, yeah, I think that that's a good comparison with Jerry Tillery. He could be that guy that's not going to be flashy. He's not going to be the guy that, you know, we come into the radio show and be like, man, Jerry Tillery was a monster. He's unstoppable. Well, we're not going to ever do that. But if he could just be a constant constant, right, if he could just be consistently good, that could be a big help for the Raiders, especially from the interior because he can get to the quarterback. He's not so good against the run. But he can get to the quarterback. But you have other guys that can help with the run. Guys like Byron Young, which you're hoping to come back sooner rather than later. Guys like Bilal Nichols, who's out there right now. You know, other guys that are playing in that interior. You're hoping that they're able to get out there and, and provide a little something-something when it comes to stopping the run. And I think for the most part, the Raiders have done a pretty decent job of stopping the run. They've just got to be able to get some interior pressure as well. So, again, the question I throw out there to you, and you can chime in on the don'tbebroke.com text sign, 69187, keyword R&R. You can give us a call when we don't have a guest at 702-365-9200. Who is a player or players that nobody you feel like is talking about that you think could be a player for this team? Coming up next, Adam Hill from the RJ and our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, will join the show to answer that exact question, answer the question on Aiden O'Connell and more. Stradish Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery.
Oh, I have a text of him saying that too. He sent me a text, and I was like, anytime you talk trash on Twitter, I'm gonna post it. And so I've been waiting for it. And the fact that he wanted to say that now, I think he's trying to soften the blow. But no, don't worry. He's gonna. It's gonna be a time where he tries. Like he tries talking smack. I'm gonna bring that up and just expose him. Now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders offensive lineman Jermaine Illuminor talking after practice today. One of the things he pointed out was he was excited. This is the first training camp he's ever entered as a starter. Will he remain a starter by the end of training camp is always going to be the question. There's a lot of competition out there. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Join us now on the phone lines, and maybe he has an answer to that question as well as our good friend Adam Hill from the RJ and, of course, our sister station ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield and Company. And, Adam, I'll start with Jermaine Illuminor and, your, and you. Uh, what do you think of uh, Jermaine Illuminor so far in camp? Do you think he's going to hold on to that starting spot? First of all, he uh, sounded kind of like a gangster there, threatening Jakob Johnson. That was uh, <laughs> very aggressive on Jermaine's part. Um, look, I think it's he's looked good. I think he's you know he kind of talked about it being a little bit comfortable and, and never having gone into camp as a starter before. He's always had to battle his way uh, up to the top, but uh, I do think he's going to battle again. I think it's been pretty clear uh, that they you know they like to rotate guys on the line. They talk about that all the time. Don't read into who's taking what reps. But I think it's been pretty clear to anybody at camp that there's four offensive line spots that are pretty set, and Illuminor and Thayer Mumford are kind of rotating on the right side. And I think that's been pretty evident uh, that Mumford is trying to you know, chase down that job. But I think Jermaine has a lot of confidence that he's going to remain there and uh, certainly you know earn the right uh, to have that first crack at it this year. Whether he wins out that job or not, we'll see. But um, you know, I think he's played fairly well. It's not like he's it's not like he's giving up the job. If if Mumford wins it, it's because he plays really well. Right, exactly. What have you thought of the offensive line so far? It's only been two days of padded practice, but has there been anybody on that old line that kind of stood out to you? Not necessarily. I mean, you can't tell that much. And if, I mean, we can pretend like we do. And oh, this guy is looking great. Like it's it's early on. Uh, right. There's there's a lot of work to be done. And uh, you saw today, like just um, you know, as you're watching it, and some of the times you see like, oh, what was that? That was a bad block. And like, no, they're just not. Uh, going all out in this drill. There's only a couple of drills that they actually go all out, especially on the offensive line. Uh, there was a play where I uh, saw a lot of people were like, oh, the you know the, the right tackle missed a block there. Like, no, he they just didn't want to cut block uh, on a defensive lineman with, you know, when, when uh, you're in training camp, you don't want to hurt somebody. So uh, there's a lot of that going on. I, I, don't, I don't want to read too much into it, but I think uh, the fact that they're, they, they have a cohesive unit for the first time in a long time of, you know, guys that have been there and worked together, uh, you, you, the, the importance of that we talk about all the time, and um, it's only words, but, you know, Jermaine Illuminar kind of talked about it today a little bit more in depth, and I think that was enlightening for people if they didn't hear it, where he said, you know, there, there are certain times in a game where, you know, you have to work so closely with the guy staying next to you, and in his case, it's Alex Bars. And he said, you know, I know exactly what Alex wants to do, and Alex knows exactly what I want to do. And, and we, because we've had so many reps together, and because we've had so many games together, we know exactly how to approach a situation. And it's just so much more helpful uh, to have that. And I think the fact that the Raiders do have that this year with the guys that have played together before is a huge head start for them going into the season. I agree 100%. Adam Hill is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Mad Max Crosby is clearly in midseason form already. I think the, I think the hope for him is that he doesn't peak too early. He's already, like, he's, he's full go right now. But what have you thought of Chandler Jones so far? Uh, I think he's looked good. And, then, you know, I was actually just having this conversation um, at lunch just before I talked to you with a couple of guys that are on the beat. Um, if you look back last year, uh, and I know you just were mentioning uh, Jerry Tillery in the, in the last uh, conversation mm-hmm. here, but if you look back, 
Chandler Jones, you know, his his ascent where he finally, you know, started to take off a little bit, I think coincided fairly closely with when Jerry Tillery came around. Mm-hmm. I thought Chandler Jones got very comfortable playing next to him. And, you know, obviously Chandler got hurt, and just when he was actually starting to play uh, at a higher level, got hurt and wasn't able to kind of follow through and take advantage of, uh, you know, playing next to Tillery and playing at a better uh, at a better level. But um, I, I do think if they are, you know, together again and if Tillery's out there and uh, Chandler Jones is next to him, I do think that is something to watch for of, you know, whether he can continue to thrive uh, next to Tillery and working with Tillery. I think that was a good combination. So um, I, I want to see more of that. Uh, and, again, I, I you know, I'm, there's a lot of guys I don't want to read too much into how they're playing Yeah. because uh, not only not only is it early in camp, but, again, it's, it's you know, as we said, uh, not full contact all the time. And I think that especially goes on the lines, right? I mean, those are guys where, uh, yeah, Max Crosby stands out uh, because he's just destroying people. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, I don't think you want to read too much into what is going on. They're just like, look, I, I, I was thinking about your uh, question before of, you know, who's who can – uh, who's kind of going under the radar that, you know, might have a great season. And how many times have we burned? Because the, the guy I first thought of when you asked that question uh, is a wide receiver. And I'm like, how many times can we go through wide receivers having these great camps and then not amounting to much once the season starts? We've seen it every single year right? Uh, with every team, but the Raiders in particular. So, again, you don't want to read too much into what you're seeing in camp and uh, positions they're putting guys into, but – I do think some guys, you know, just kind of stand out. And certainly, I mean, look, Max Crosby standing out. There's no question about that. <laughs> right. I mean, Max is going to let, let let it be known where he's at at all times. He's going to make sure you hear him, see him, all yeah. that good stuff. I mean, Max is is Max. <laughs> it's just it's even, no doubt about even that. If, even if you're media, Max called out a media member today. So that was, yeah, that was ex- fun to watch, too. Yeah, exactly. Like Max is he is that guy this year, right? He's definitely the guy that wants to be mic'd up every single practice. I mean, he he yeah. wants he wants to be that dude. He's he's taking his game and, and his uh his character, I guess, <laughs> to a whole well, another level. <laughs> and, and he wanted to he wanted to ruin ruin Michael Mayer's life yesterday too. That was uh, pretty clear as well. Right, and I mean, he did. He ruined Michael Mayer's <laughs> life yesterday, and and Josh McDaniels even laughed about it this morning when he was asked about it. But how much do you think that that will help the rookie as, as he's going up against a guy like Crosby? Well, I mean, it depends. It depends on the rookie, right? Um, yeah. I mean, some guys. There's some guys, and we've heard it in other sports too, where you know you have a practice where some guy just decides he's going to teach you some lessons, and it just ruins them. And right. it sounds like you know we haven't talked to Michael. We haven't we haven't been around him. Um, you know, especially since yesterday, but um, it sounds like they're pretty happy with how he responded. I think that's what teams are usually doing in this case. Look, I, I don't think Max Crosby would have done that without at least some blessing of the coaching staff, and I think they probably want to see how he responded, Michael Mayer, and, and it sounds like they were pretty encouraged by how he responded. Now, you can only see that with how he plays and how he responds on the field and um, how he bounces back, and hey, next time uh, in a practice, you know, if, if Max decides to target him and he holds up a little better, then you're like, wow, okay. He responded well. He, you know, he bounced back from that. But um, I, I do think you are kind of challenging a guy's mental makeup and, and how he's built. And it sounds like the Raiders are pretty pleased with how he handled that practice where Max Crosby just decided every play to single out Michael Mayer and try to take him out. And he did it over and over again. But Michael Mayer bounced back and took on those challenges over and over again. Well, I'll tell you what. That was Chandler Jones on Alex Leatherwood last year. <laughs> right? uh, yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, and, and Alex Leatherwood, guess what? Didn't handle that well. No. Um, and didn't handle it well from the beginning. I mean, it, look, his first practice, we remember, uh, like an OTA uh, after he'd been drafted, and just uh, the coaching staff just repeatedly, play after play after play, going at him for mess-ups. 
and he didn't handle it well. He never handled it well. And right. you know, some guys are just like that. I'm, I'm not going to lie. As a player, I was kind of like that. If you you know screamed at me and yelled at me and shouted like, "Hey, you're screwing up! You're screwing up! You're a failure!" Whatever. I I didn't handle those things well. It's one of the reasons I'm writing about the game and not playing the game. I mean, that's, that's part of it. Like you have to be mentally uh, mentally stronger. And and you know, some guys are, some guys aren't. I think part of training camp is trying to find out who is and who you want around. Adam Hills, our guest on Raider Nation Radio 920. He's mentally strong when it comes to the radio and the writing game. That's that's for sure. And that's okay. We're, we're, hey, that, that's why we're all doing what we're doing, Adam. We're all not cut out to be world-class athletes and big-time football players. What about – I want to ask you about the quarterback position. We saw Jimmy G leave practice early. Uh, you know, they just kind of got him on a, a pitch count, if you want to call it that. Whatever the case may be, Brian Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell, Garbers, they all closed out the, the practice session. What have you seen from Aiden O'Connell? What are your thoughts on him? Do you have another question? <laughs> I just want to know. Uh, I'm trying to think how to answer this question uh, diplomatically, Q. Uh, he's been better the last two days okay. than he was before that. Okay. That's, I mean, that, that's, uh, that's fair. The previous bar wasn't very high. Right. Um, I mean, look – he he struggled a couple of days. Like yeah. there's no question about it. There's no, right. Like th- there's no way of getting around it. If any of the fans were out there for a day and and wa- were watching practice, um, you might have been terrified about the thought of Aiden O'Connell ever being in a, being in a game for the Raiders. But he's a young quarterback in his first training camp. Like those things are going to happen. Uh, I I think again you want to see how a guy responds. And and I right. thought you know he was a little bit better yesterday and and maybe even a little bit better today. So. Um, he's he's stepping it up now. Is he playing great the last two days? No, but right. I mean, there's encouraging signs that he isn't as bad as he was for a couple of days. Well, I mean, the encouraging thing is, and I, I don't even know if encouraging is the right word, but I mean, they got the Raiders or the the Niners coming in for joint practice. They've got preseason. He's going to get a ton of burn there. It's not like Jimmy's going to be taking a bunch of snaps in preseason, if any. So, I mean, I think you'll learn a lot about Aiden O'Connell during during a camp, and I think that's all that you could really ask for, right? Yeah, and, and look. I, Again, I, I keep saying it. I, it sucks because I know we want to be strong about everything, but like it's camp, you're you're trying to take it in. But you know the way that O'Connell struggled for a couple of days. There was a play today where you know it was seven on seven. He dropped back and kind of threw like a nice little pass into the flat. And somebody that had been watching every day was like, "Oh, there you go. All right, it's a better throw." And I was like, "All right, that's the bar now. Like a, a little pass <laughs> in the flat. Like right. he actually completed it. We're okay with that." Like. That, that's where it is. But, again, you just want to see the progression. You, right. you want to see him getting better. And I think I think he has. And, um, look, everybody around the team is raving about him and his work in the in the film room and, and getting prepared and all of that. And I think you'll see that translate at some point. But, I, look, I think the, the book on Aiden O'Connell, a guy that I watched a lot, as somebody who watches a lot of Big Ten football, is he's going to have throws during the course of a game, and I assume practice as well as we've seen, where you just stand up out of your seat or jump up and say, whoa, what was that? That was incredible. And then he'll have a few throws where you're like, why is this guy playing football? Right. Uh, I mean, that that was kind of the book on him in college. And, and they, they thought that there was enough of those wow plays that they could they could harness and get him to play at a higher level in college. Um, you know, this is not a comparison at any stretch. Please, please, please know that I'm saying this. Um, but if you watch, go back and watch Josh Allen in college. He was horrific. Horrific. And then you would say, whoa, whoa, what was that? That was incredible. Um, and it was like that his first two years in the NFL, and then he figured it out. I think, you know, not that that's the same player, but, right. you know, if you see enough of those wow throws, 
it makes you think that you can make that happen more consistently. And I think that's what they're hoping for out of Aiden O'Connell, but I don't think that's anytime soon. I think that's a little bit down the road. Right, and, and look, I'll be 100% honest with you, man. The, 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 what I said about him the minute that they drafted him is at best he'll be a, a backup in the league. Right now, if he does anything more than that, that'll, you know, hey, that's gravy, right? But as far as I'm concerned, he's probably a backup at best, but we'll see as, as everything shakes out and he gets some burn and, you know, we're not going to learn, learn a whole lot about him. And another thing is you don't want to see him at all this year. If you see him at all no. this year, that means something went terribly wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah I, I think so, for sure. Well, yeah, or, I mean, something went terribly wrong or, you know, you're at a point in the season where, like, hey, let's just see him. Right? I mean, right. That, that's possible, too. Uh where they're like, okay, like we need to see what we have because in the future, like, look, next year, if things do go wrong right. and the, the season is not going well, they're obviously going to be in the market for drafting a quarterback next year unless you think you have your quarterback of the future, Dave O'Connell. So you might want to see him play at some point. So there is that possibility. But you're right, if, if he's – if he's forced into action early in the season, it's probably because something went horribly wrong. <laughs> right, and that's not anything that I believe the Raiders want to see, and I know it's nothing the Raider Nation wants to see. Well, Adam, we'll close out with this. One of my biggest camp battles that I've been telling anybody who will listen, as far as I'm concerned, is Trey Tucker and DeAndre Carter. I feel like they're very similar players. What have you seen from the rookie out of uh, Cincinnati and Trey? Uh, he shows up, right? He's fast. But uh, I'll just say this. When you know, I, I indicated earlier there's a wide receiver to me that is – been the guy that has stood out to say, hey, if we're, nobody's talking about this guy, he could be a real star for the team. Uh, the guy I had in mind was DeAndre Carter. I mean, okay. it, every single day, the guy is making huge plays downfield. And uh, we, we're kind of having that discussion on the sideline today of, hey, this is a guy who figured it out last year. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's been around. I think he's 29 now. He finally, you know, kind of figured it out and took that next step and was a very, value, very valuable player. Uh, for the Chargers, especially at times when they had injuries to their top receivers, he figured it out last year and took another step. And I think we're seeing that this year. It was no fluke. He's been around. He's a veteran. He knows how to get open. He knows how to catch the ball. He knows how to make big plays. He knows how to do so much. The issue that he has um, is, again, he's a little bit older, and you've got a rookie that you drafted kind of in that same spot and the same uh, running a lot of the same routes and trying to make a lot of the same plays. So uh, I would imagine they go – uh, maybe select a younger route for the guy that's going to get the more more attention and have a better shot there. But um, I think DeAndre Carter has really stood out in flash. Obviously, the other guy at the wide receiver position, Hunter Renfro, has been amazing. Uh, there's yep. no two ways around it. That guy yep. has dominated every single day. Um, obviously, Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams, but right after him, Hunter Renfro is just making play after play after play. He looks like a different player uh, from last year. So uh, that's an interesting one as well. But uh, I thought DeAndre Carter has stood out. Uh, I think he's been, you know, one of the one of the kind of the unsung stars of this camp as well. I'm glad you said that because now I know they don't practice tomorrow. We'll be back at it on Friday. I'm going to be paying attention to number three. I mean, I've seen a lot of 89 and seen a lot of good things from 89, but now I'm going to focus in on number three and see where he's at because uh, you know you pointed him out and, and talked about the plays, and I've seen him make a few plays, but I've really been locked in on 89. So that's that's good. That's a good little nugget right there. I like that. Well, he- Again, he's making play after play, but again, as I referenced, Keelan Doss, T. Billy, like yeah. it's every year. There's yep. guys every year. No, you're right. You're right. Keelan Doss, T. Billy, those are a couple names right there that uh, Raider <laughs> yeah. Nation knows very, very well. Uh, Adam, great stuff as always, man. What are you writing about that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, I don't want to give it away. I want to okay. uh, people check it out. But uh, I thought there was a very, very, very interesting quote from Josh McDaniels today as it related to the running back situation. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have that coming up in about an hour at the Review Journal. Nice. That's what we call in the business as a tease. Adam, great stuff, man. Thanks so much, and have a great show with uh, Cofield this afternoon. Thank you, sir. Enjoy it.
All right, will do. There he goes. Adam Hill from the RJ. Again, you can catch him uh, on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, starting in about 13 minutes. So I love the fact that he squeezed us in. And a hell of a tease right there. Josh McDaniels talking about the running backs earlier today, and he was asked about a lot of different subjects. You'll hear from Josh McDaniels throughout the course of the show. But uh, good stuff right there from Adam Hill. And it's funny, I'm talking about the battle between Trey Tucker and DeAndre Carter. He's big up in DeAndre Carter. I'm bigging up Trey Tucker. I like it. I mean, that's and that's why we talk to people that are out there at practice, because some guys will be focused in on certain people and other guys will be focused in on other people and so there you go great little nugget right there from adam hill we definitely appreciate him 248 is the time we'll take a quick break come back close out hour number one of the show it's radio nation radio 920 you're listening to unnecessary roughness with your boy q broadcasting live from the finley cadillac performance studio many thanks to adam hill from the rj and our sister station espn las vegas he's part of cofield and company he joined us in the last segment just to scatter shoot all things silver and black, what he's seen from practice. And there's many of us out there. Uh, definitely appreciate getting others' perspectives. And speaking of other perspectives, I asked him a question about Aiden O'Connell, and he responded with basically like, Aiden O'Connell's been aight. Not even, you know, not very good. And the bar hasn't been very high, and he hasn't thought too much of him. Got a response on the WBroke.com text line from the 209. That's the type of answers I like to hear, straight up and honest. I hate when beat writers try and beat around the bush about players who are practicing horribly. Now we know why Garbers got re-signed. And, you know, I think that that's probably a part of the reason why Garbers got re-signed. I also think part of the reason why Garbers got re-signed is because they're not going to play Jimmy in the preseason. So I think that just to get extra reps. And today, like Jimmy left practice early today, right? And the funny thing about it is I had a Where's Waldo moment. And I actually had a moment where I was angry at myself. I have no problem peeling back the curtain. I was uh, talking to Vinny. I was watching some drills. Uh, the Raiders have three different fields. They went from the field that was closest to us. They sprinted over to the middle field. And then they, like, they ran like two, three drills, and then they came back. And I'm talking to Vinny about a play or two. And then we look up, and we're like, where's Jimmy? Where's number 10? And so I kept telling him, I was like, we had one job. We had one stupid job to watch 10. And 10 is gone, and we don't know where he's at. So we're walking up and down the sideline, me and Vinny. No, no BS. We're walking up and down the sideline. Where's 10? Where's 10? I see 14. I see 4. Right? I see 7. Where the hell's 10? I'm looking up and down the sideline. No 10. Jimmy's gone. I'm like, man, I'm asking other people. Hey, man, did you see Jimmy lead the field? Hey, man, did you see Jimmy lead the field? And at the same time while I'm asking this question, I feel dumb because I, I, I literally have one job. And that's to, to, to pay attention to big things happening. And the big thing happening would be Jimmy G leaving the field. Well, in between when they went to that second field, and this is when it had to happen. This is the only thing I could think of. When they went to the second field and they all ran over and sprinted over, he must have left into the weight room because the weight room was right there at that time. And it's nothing to, th to freak out about. It's nothing more than just, you know, guys going out there, uh, you know, and, and having a certain amount of reps that he's going to do, and that's it. So it's not like he's injured or anything. But, of course, as I don't see him, the first thing I'm thinking of, did he get hurt? Did he get hurt? So it, it, was, it was kind of like a little bit of a panic. Not a panic. That's probably the, the worst word. But it was a little bit of a, of a, oh, damn, how the hell did I lose Jimmy? And when did, he, when did he leave the field? But it was really – it just kind of found out that it was more just a, a, one of those things where they have him on a pitch count, they have him on a, you know, a, a day off or a type situation, especially since they are off tomorrow and Thursday as well. And they got Brian Hoyer some reps. They kind of simulated that scenario where, all right, your quarterback leaves, now your backup's in. And then the other guy gets more reps, another guy gets more reps. But it was so funny, I'm looking up thinking, how the hell did I lose 10? How did I lose 10? It don't make any kind of sense. But 
Uh, so anyway, so Garber's got some burn in as well as as Jimmy only practiced about half the day. Uh, one quick text from Sir Whiskey Ray that will close out our number one Q and Ari. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Another cr- training camp day comes. The competition gets more intense. Q, the player to watch, and I believe he's flying under the radar, is running back Sincere McCormick. He was undrafted free agent last season from UTSA, but was put on IR two weeks after signing with the Raiders last season. With Jacobs nowhere to be seen, it's open competition with the running backs, and this kid is someone to keep an eye on. He was electric in college and someone who could bring it. Don't sleep on him. Thanks, as always, Q. Also, another great interview with Adam Hill. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. And, yeah, Sincere McCormick out of UTSA is a guy that I've been talking about quite a bit. Tore his ACL last uh, year, and that's why he was put on IR. But the fact that they put him on IR in May and brought him back, obviously they saw a little something-something that they liked. And he had a nice little run yesterday. Uh, he had a nice little run yesterday. So I think he's definitely someone that's going to provide a little bit of competition. Thanks so much for that. Coming up in hour number two, Gilbert Manzano will kick us off. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.